This is the Marching Health Audio Experience. Hello, everybody. Presumably, everybody can see and hear us now. I'm Derek with Marching Health. You all know me. And I'm here with Claire Wilcox, Phantom Regiment Drum Major. Hello, Claire. Hi, everyone. Yeah, so we're just going to sit down and have a little informal chat about life, about leadership, about all the things in the world. It's a pleasure to meet you. I've heard a lot about you, and I did a little reading about you the last, the last couple of days just in preparation for this. You've got a pretty interesting story, it sounds like, and I'm sure everybody will be excited to hear it. So how about we start there? Uh, I'm interested to know, because I know you've talked about this before, I'm sure everyone would like to hear it, how you first heard about drum corps, where you got your start in music, and then how you ended up where you are now. Yeah, so I um, got my start in music pretty young. My family is all very involved in music in um, one way or another. My grandma was a band director and my dad marched drum corps. So all of us were kind of required to play piano at some point, um, which was my introduction into music. Um, in third grade, I started lessons and then I moved on to playing the oboe in fifth grade and eventually joined the marching band in the front ensemble when I got to high school. Um, that's really when I fell in love with music and the marching arts specifically. Um, I was also a cheerleader at one point in high school and I really thought that that was my thing until I got to marching band. My parents actually told me I had to march a year. It wasn't a decision I really probably would have made on my own and then they said I could decide after that and about a week into high school marching band I was ready to quit cheer and everything else and focus on band. Regarding um, drum corps, my dad, as I mentioned, marched drum corps in the 80s. He was a snare drummer with the Emerald Knights and a bass drummer with Phantom Regiment, actually. So um, I always kind of knew it was there, but it wasn't until some close friends of mine got really into drum corps that I really started to pay attention to it. There was a um, live show in our hometown very close to us that was happening every summer. Uh, DCI St. Louis was at a much smaller college near um, where I live or where I lived at the time before it went to the big Edward Jones Dome this previous year, or I guess two years ago. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, yeah, so my friends were really interested in drum corps and I essentially just realized I wasn't done with the activity after my senior year and I performed for the last time, which is when I set my heart on auditioning for the Phantom Regiment. Okay. So that was in 2018 that you first auditioned for the Phantom Regiment, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. So how old were you when you first auditioned again? So at the audition, I was 17, but... Mm when I actually got the position in March the summer, I, I turned 18 like in February. So I was 18 for that summer, but I actually went to that audition um, thinking it was just for experience uh, because obviously it's a very competitive um, position to be working towards. So I thought it was just for experience. I kind of decided last minute to go, um, last minute meaning the week of, and kind of spent a ton of time last minute preparing for it. And my parents were freaking out because they obviously knew kind of what it entailed. Um, but I was, you know, reassuring them, don't worry, I'm not gonna make it. I just wanna kind of see what it's like for uh, next summer. And then um, 
clearly I'm here now. So that's not what happened. Yeah, I love that. Like, don't worry, guys, I'm not going to make it or anything. I Nothing even... crazy happened. <laughs> I didn't look at the calendar. I didn't look at how much money it was, which was the first thing, of course, they asked me when, mm. um, or the three of us, when we made it, they were like, okay, we just want to make sure, you know, you guys have looked at the calendar and how much it costs and you can actually do this. Right. And I was like, oh, of course, which I was going to make it work no matter what, but I genuinely was not super prepared, um, for actually what this whole journey was going to be when I first came into it. Oh, that's pretty amazing. That I, I, my own story, I auditioned for Phantom Regiment in 2006. It was my first drum corps camp ever. And I was cut no hard feelings. I went to the Colts, spent six years there. It was great. Enjoyed every minute of it. So, but I, I guess I feel like we're kindred spirits in this exact one way that we share that, um, we share that experience of going to a Phantom camp and being just totally overwhelmed, but you just <laughs> apparently handled it a little better than I did. It's <laughs> totally okay. So you ended up being the drum major, um, that year 2018, if I'm getting my years all right. So when you first started as a drum major, that that fairly young age, um, what were you kind of expecting that job to be like? And are, was there anything about it that ended up surprising you in the end? Yeah, pretty much all of it was way different oh. than what I was expecting. You know, I had this experience from high school, being a high school drum major for two years. I kind of felt like I was a, I knew that there was a lot that I was going to learn, but I still felt a little bit like I was a hot rod that I knew what I was doing being a drum major for a BOA band it was like it can't be that much different it's just more <laughs> which in reality it was way different from what high school is obviously I feel silly looking back on it now and the thought that I ever felt that way it's a lot more responsibility um, off the field obviously on the field is way more challenging than it ever was in high school in high school I kind of felt like the battery was a metronome for me and I just kind of stayed with them and everything worked out all right. Whereas now the battery parts, percussion parts in general are way more advanced and difficult. And I have to spend time sitting down with the score even after being a percussionist myself, deciphering it and making sure I understand how things line up. Um, and just the whole timing thing is a way bigger challenge than it was in high school. But I think the biggest shock for me was the actual off the field responsibilities, because again, in high school, it was typically like maybe you took attendance when or made sure everyone was on the bus or, you know, just did miscellaneous chores for the director. Um, but there was always this very small list of things I had to do. Whereas when I got to drum corps, I kind of feel in some ways my role is a little bit a staff member as well as a member of the drum corps with doing things like making sure housing sites are clean and equipment is taken care of and everyone is safe and doing okay and we're getting down the road on time. There's, there's a lot more responsibilities than I realized before. You know, of course, waking up the drum corps in the morning and, and making sure everyone's in bed at night is a huge part of my day. And if I fail at either of those jobs, it could hugely affect our rehearsal the next day. So yeah, when I first came into the job, I kind of had this, I tried to make like a mental list in my brain. If I just check off all of these things every day, then I'll be good and I'm doing my job well. But I quickly realized that I just needed to keep an eye on really everything. Um, and if I just tried to, you know, dumb it down to a list, I was gonna miss a ton. Um, 
which yeah, and that list is constantly evolving and there's constantly new things even after doing it for two years that I didn't realize I needed to be aware of until, you know, I kind of, it falls to the wayside and, and some mistake is made that we need to, you know, catch up on. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people who haven't done drum corps before might not know about drum majors. That was something that surprised me too when I first entered drum corps is just how much they are involved in the day-to-day -day operations of things. Like you, you, all you, like the most visible part is just what they're doing on the field. But like drum majors, I've worked on admin teams for a few different drum corps and our drum majors were always right there with us for planning the day, for just doing logistical things. They were really, I thought of them as the buffer like there's the staff over here, there's a membership over there, and the drum majors are what connect the two. They're kind of like the officers make the, the you know, the uh, staff make the decisions, and then the members execute those decisions, and the drum majors are the that communication between the two, and that's such a vital role, and there's so much, there's a lot of pressure on the people who are in there. You really have to be careful who you put in that role, because it's really about so much more than flapping the arms, as they say. So. Like when you first got, yeah. like, what are some responsibilities that like you found challenging? Was there any, were there any times where like you had challenges as a leader, like problems you had to solve, it really pushed your limits and how did you go about solving those problems? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, coming into it as a rookie head drum major when I was only 18, I think was just hands down the biggest challenge I could have faced. Um, in my drum corps career because I was coming into this role where I am being a leader of, or trying to be a leader of people who were, you know, 21 years old, 2021, 20, 22 even, who had been at the drum corps for four or five years. And now um, they're supposed to look at me as a peer, um, listen to my directions. And that was really difficult. And also, trying to lead a group that you don't know well yet. When I, I don't really understand the culture of the drum corps, I was figuring that out as I go. Um, our role, a lot of the times, is to speak to the drum corps. At the end of the day, that's kind of a tradition we have at Phantom Regiment. At the end of every full ensemble rehearsal, I stand up and speak to everyone um, and kind of give some like wrap-up notes and motivational things just to kind of see um, as I'm gauging what the drum corps might need at that moment. That was really, really hard for me my first year because there were so many people I didn't know. Um, I didn't feel like I was yet qualified to be able to do that and speak to them because I didn't feel like I had had sufficient time to really earn their respect. Um, so it was more the social cultural aspect that I've struggled with the most, especially in my first year. I feel like now after having a year under my belt, that was, um, that went so much smoother in 2019. I felt really comfortable standing up in front of the drum corps and speaking to them because I felt like I was finally kind of on, um, I had enough experience to feel like I had earned that right. But the first year that was really difficult for me, especially learning every single staff member has a different way they want rehearsal run, a different way they want you to interact with them, a different way that they want you to interact with the members. And especially when we have new staff coming in um, pretty regularly each year, we've had some amount of staff changes. That is definitely a new challenge every single year to figure out how each staff member wants you to do things. Okay. So what would, that that's interesting to me. Like the the staff had different ideas of how you should be interacting with the other members. Do you have like an example you can give of, 
of like a difference. You don't have to like name names or out people, but yeah. I'm just interested like what the different approaches might be. It depends. Some staff members want me to completely run the rehearsal. So they'll just, you know, stand next to me, tell me the directions, and then I um, display them to the drum corps and I do all of the starts and stops in all of the directions. And, and some members or some staff members will be okay with me stopping and giving feedback, you know, trumpets, you're slow or, or whatever it may be. Other staff members want to have those roles kind of flipped where they are completely in control of the drum corps. They don't want me to stop a rep at all to fix things like timing. Um, and really that can change from day to day too, depending on what we're working on. Sometimes um, someone will uh, kind of have one approach and then the next day, if we're doing big, bigger picture things, will want me to not, again, interfere with rehearsal in that way. So that's really difficult. Um, also learning how how to communicate because I do have a, a very unique perspective from where I'm standing, both timing and needs, I guess, wise of the members um, because, because the staff is so far away and I'm really in the middle of the two of them, like you said, both figuratively and literally, um, a lot of the times I am the one turning around and saying, hey, like they need water or, um, it's you know been a while since we've had a water break, or it might also just be if they like there's some timing discrepancy, and they might think there's one thing causing it, but I might have a better perspective to understand what that actually is. Not that you know, not that that happens often because my staff usually tends to be correct with what's going on, especially because we have um, staff members on the field. But a lot of the times there are discrepancies with how what's happening during a rep to cause timing issues or other issues that I have a unique perspective on. I like that uh, there really is a, a distinct parallel as far as your position as a drum major, both figuratively and literally. Like I, I've never thought of it this way, but yeah, the drum major occupies physically on, on the field a unique space that they're between where the staff typically is and where the rest of the drum corps is and how that parallels the drum major's role as a sort of communicative you know, conduit between the two. So like your job not only is to give like commands, pass commands down from the staff to the members, but also to communicate to the staff the needs of the members because you have that unique connection to them you know, being a member yourself. So that's really cool. I need to write that down here in my little notebook. Very smart idea. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> of course. So as a, so as a leader, um, I'm sure most people are familiar with different leadership styles. What would you say your leadership style is? Um, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. I definitely think my ideal leadership style that I want to, I always strive to exhibit would be leading from the middle of the pack. Um, being a peer to my, the marchers, as well as being able to help those who are falling behind. I never want to be leading from the front looking behind. Um, really, you know, another way you could say this is servant leadership. That's a common way to portray it, but I really like this idea of leading from the middle um, because I definitely made the mistake my first summer in 2018 the entire time I kind of felt like I was just trying to keep my head above water and drowning in all this new responsibility and things I wasn't familiar with. And something I let fall um, to the back burner was getting to actually know every single member 
personally and having a personal relationship with everyone. And then I feel like that really contributed to my issues with getting to know the drum corps and understanding the culture and all of those things. So that was really my biggest priority coming into 2019 was making sure first and foremost, I had personal relationship with everyone and everyone felt comfortable with who I was and getting to know me and being able to come and talk to me about things. And that's why I think the culture was so much easier for me to understand in 2019. I felt so much more comfortable with the drum corps um, because I, I think that you have to know the people that you lead to be able to do a good job. And when they know me and trust me as a person first, then I think that they will trust me on the field. But that's something I really struggled with. And I realized that was a root of a lot of the struggles I faced in 2018 was I didn't have those personal connections. Um, and then a lot of miscommunications were happening, a lot of um, just lack of understanding from all sides. Um, so I, yeah, I guess that kind of sums up my philosophy on that. That's fantastic. I like that. The building a connection really is important. And a lot of it has to do with that communication. I mean, leadership is almost all communication, really, when it comes down to it. So um, I'm, I'm putting myself in the mindset of somebody, there's a lot of people watching right now, 30 people. How about that? It's like a new record. And I imagine a lot of them are um, students or, you know, performers themselves. So um, if I was listening, I'd be wondering like what, like, I love the idea of connecting with people and building relationships. So like what practical steps could I take to do that? So like, what did you do differently in 2019 that really made that difference? So what, what practical steps did you take to build those connections? The first thing I did was at one of our later camps that were closer to, um, I guess it was just our April camp, which is our last camp before we move in for the summer, is I sat everyone down at a meeting and I gave all of them my number and had everyone text me with their name and their section. And I was like, please, you know, if you feel like it, send me some things about yourself as well. So just by doing that, I was, um, the goal was to make myself accessible and also be able to reach out to those people when I needed them, especially during the summer, if you know someone was missing, because we definitely experienced that in 2018, um, then I would have everyone's phone number. The next thing that I really tried to do was sit with different people. Um, in 2018, I definitely with, and I spent pretty much every meal with those people. So I tried and also encouraged the leadership which I think they did a really great job of, um, was to take that step in making sure that you're sitting with new people every day. Another thing we did as a drum corps was kind of the name game. So I am so embarrassed to admit that by the end of 2018, there were still people who I, whose names I didn't know, which is so awful and embarrassing to spend three months with a drum corps and be the leader and not know their names. So we used an app called um, NameShark, and it's essentially mm -hmm. Quizlet, but with names. Unfortunately, they don't have it for Android. But anyway, um, so I knew everyone's name in the drum corps by like the fourth day of spring training, and we made kind of a game out of it. So at the end of the day, um, this was accessible to the entire drum corps, and we would have people um, pick a section and choose a person who had to name all those people in that section. And if they failed, then they would have to do it again the next day. So then definitely the next day they would come prepared. Um, and I thought this was awesome because we just had so much more cohesion amongst the entire drum corps. 
because everyone was getting to know each other versus kind of a lot of the times it's the brass and then the guard and then the percussion and those people know each other really well because they spend most of their time together but this way we were kind of forcing people to um, get to know other sections and I thought it did wonders for our, our culture that's fantastic yeah the learning everybody's names was always that was a challenge there was a guy when I was marching um, his name was Steven I won't give him his last name because I don't know if he wants people to know who he is but Stephen was really cool. He was one of the color guard members. And his thing was he would hang out right next. Like we had, you went and got your food at the food truck. And then we had like all the, like the drink dispensers right next to the line. And so he would just sit there and talk to every single person as they came through, just make small talk. And he learned everybody's name within like a couple of weeks. And it would be like a, it'd be like a thing. He would show up and just like name off people. And it was, it was really inspiring. Like he really brought everybody together that way. And the practical difference that makes is, is huge. Like you said, like it's about that communication. And even if you, if you're a leader and even if you think that you look super approachable and everybody's your best friend, if you haven't reached out to them, it's unlikely they see it that way. So taking that step can make the difference between them coming to you to solve a problem or them just ignoring it. And if you're in a leadership position like you were and are, it's important that people actually come to you and feel comfortable doing that when there's an issue. So I, I definitely like that. What was the name of the app that you used again? Just in case people Name want Shark. to use it. Name Shark? Yes. Okay. That's very handy. I'm, I'm definitely going to use that. I feel like I saw that somewhere. Yeah, that's reason enough to get an iPhone, I guess. I have an Android. <laughs> yeah, I think we just made, I'm trying to figure out what we did for the people with Androids. I think we just made a quiz. Yeah, you could do that. But really, get with the times. Yeah, I, I I love I love cheesy solutions to problems. I I love it. It's like yeah. it's that the name shark thing, like just quizzing. That seems like cheesy, but it works. It works like a charm, and it sounds kind of fun. So anytime you can gamify things, all the better. All right, so let's segue real quick to the physical stuff. We're marching health, health right. So we got to talk about health stuff. You've been a drum major and a conductor for a BOA band, and now a drum corps. What are some physical challenges that are associated with that? I know most conductors are probably familiar with a few themselves. Are there some that might surprise people and what have you done to sort of overcome those? So I guess the, the definite obvious one is the actual conducting itself causes a lot of strain on muscles that you don't use daily normally. So, um, and there's no really way to build them up properly unless you're just actually conducting for 10 hours every day. So every year going into the summer, it is kind of a pain to build those muscles back up for me personally, especially um, being on the head podium. I spend, um, will share or share that responsibility when possible, but most of the time I am on that podium for the extent of most days. Um, so that is definitely a challenge because like I said, it's using muscles that I don't normally use. And there's not really, I've tried doing different upper body workouts and those take a little bit of the strain off um, getting me prepared for the summer, but there's no really way to replicate it except for actually doing it. <laughs> so that's something difficult. Something that I was definitely surprised about coming into the role and my team and I have had this conversation 
conversation is really how much car do it as a conductor. I unfortunately had a foot injury and was in a boot for most of the summer this summer. So that fell mostly on my team. But a lot of the times um, we actually spend our spring training at a university, Western Illinois University. So our rehearsal spaces are really spread out. And whenever equipment breaks or dies or something is needed, it's up to us to kind of make that transfer of usually it's batteries. The Met usually dies or sometimes cords will break, or we had a ton of problems with our um, speakers this summer just not functioning properly. So usually we'll get a text from another drum major, like I need a, a cord three minutes ago, and one of us has to go sprinting across campus to um, get them that. And that was definitely something we joked about a lot is how much cardio is involved in the job from running around fixing and troubleshooting problems. Um, something I definitely struggle with is um, I know all of the marching members would roll their eyes at me saying this, but if you don't have good shoes and just standing still for, you know, 12, 10, 12 hours a day can be really, really painful on your feet and your knees and just your different joints. Um, so that is definitely something I struggled with, especially having a foot injury. Um, so yeah, I guess those are the big ones. The main oh, yeah. places I have pain conducting are like my forearms my biceps and my shoulders so I use a I use a lacrosse ball and roll my muscles out in between reps it's it's saved my life oh yeah that, those lacrosse balls like sometimes I forget the lacrosse is a sport that people play <laughs> I like, play oh, lacrosse is... in high school <laughs> that's awesome well I I worked with a lacrosse the Cornell women's lacrosse team here for a while so mm -hmm. I should know but it's just like I've used them. I've used the crossball for like massaging out muscles so much that sometimes I forget. Oh yeah, this is like people play with these. <laughs> They're so yeah. handy. Or like one thing, one thing I've noticed about, or well, one thing I always liked about um, Phantom Regiment, like even back in the day when I was marching, um, Phantom Regiment was one of the only drum corps, if not the only one, I might be wrong about that, where the drum majors used a, a baton. Mm -hmm. And something I like about that, well, it's, you don't need a baton to do this, but one thing about the conducting style that was different from what you might see a lot of marching bands do is they kept their elbows much more in instead of like stretching them out this way. Like the super, this, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't have a name for this. I thought something would come to me, but it didn't because I'm not that clever, but that super arms outstretched style. Cause I think, cause that out there, like the longer you make your arm, the longer that lever is, you know, if you remember from high school physics class, the longer the lever arm, the more torque you have, the more stresses on the joint, etc. So like right. just having those arms in here a little bit and allowing that baton to do some of the work for you. I feel like that's a, that makes a big difference. So like when you do, um, when you do the lacrosse ball things, what are like their prime spots yeah. that you like to hit that seem to help? My prime spots are definitely the insides of my forearms and my, are these trapezius? They are. It's not going to muscle my trapezius muscles. That's where I get really sore or just kind of in my shoulders in general. But um, definitely I've, that's a mistake I've made with my technique and conducting is using too much shoulder. This is something I, I tell my students a lot is I think most conductors, young conductors use way too much shoulder. Mm. Me specifically, I'm definitely a culprit of this, um, which is what causes 
you know, a ton of the fatigue, I tend to need to pull my arms closer to my body um, because I think I'm small frame. So I feel like I need to keep my arms out huge, but really that just causes more stress. But yeah, I have a problem with also the baton um, death gripping, which mm. is awful. I've tried holding it looser, but I tend to just stress in that same spot. So <laughs> I've you know, been experimenting with heavier handles, which have kind of made it better, but yeah. So I tend to get um, issues with the tendons in my right hand and my forearm specifically in that hand from the death gripping and then yeah, my mm. shoulders. Ah, I have, I have a couple tips for everybody. You might already know these, but just for anybody who's listening, here's a couple tips. You mentioned the forearm thing. And I actually, I made a video about this last summer with Dan Ricoder, who's one of the uh, um, quad techs at Blue Coats, who's also a physical therapy assistant. So like people who have wrist pain, it's like from either death gripping, for him it's like, like sticks and stuff, or just overuse of those. So like the muscles that actually feed into your hand, they start up at your elbow. So like the flexor wad right here, the inside of your elbow that they make your hand go like this, your, your grip muscles and also the wrist flexors are all here. And so what he did is he took a little bouncy ball and he put it right there, held it down with his hand and then just moved it around. And it, it gets those really well. It was, he like a little bouncy ball like this, like yeah. this big. It was like the lacrosse ball is kind of big. And if you really want to like focus in on that spot that you need right there, it's really good. As far as the extensor side, the back side, all those muscles live on the back of your elbow. So front of your elbow was the flexor side, back of your elbow, extensor side, same game. Slap that thing on there, hold it and just move around. It's amazing how much that loosens up because all those muscles turn into tendons and that's where you feel the pain is where the tendons are, but where the muscles are is where you want to do the work. So wow, free tip for everybody. Up. That this summer. That's good to know. <laughs> or next free summer. tip. Yeah, everybody look up the video. It's something about like wrist rollout trick or something. YouTube.com. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah, so give that a shot sometime. I bet that'll help with that. Yeah. See, we have about five minutes left. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Anything you want to share with everybody about your journey? In fact, ooh, let's talk about this. The quarantine thing. We're all locked down. Yeah. So what are you doing right now to stay healthy, to keep your con you know, like your connection to performing and all that stuff? What are you what are you doing right now to stay sane? So in terms of staying healthy, I have a couple of things I've been doing. Um, for one, I've recently become vegetarian for multiple different reasons, um, along with some of my family members. So we're kind of doing it together, but that has helped us kind of eating healthier, I think, because there's a lot of junk foods that we've had to cut out for that reason. So that has helped me a lot with my diet, staying healthy. Also, um, I'm still having problems with my foot, which prevent me from doing any type of running or anything like that. But I have been doing other, finding other ways to work out and keep myself in shape, just doing different, you know, more low, um, low impact, I guess, workouts like yoga, or I walk my dog a lot. <laughs> I love doing that, but I'm just doing different body weight exercises at home. Um, in terms of what we're doing during the quarantine right now is we have a lot of um, vulture, Virtual? Virtual. Sorry. It, it, virtual programs word. coming up. No. Um, virtual programs coming up for the drum corps this summer. We're still planning on having a 2020 um, drum corps. We're contracting members and all of those things um, and having 
kind of weekly assignments and um, guided practice, things like that, that we'll be having starting when, um, starting on June 1st, I think going through when finals would have been for us. So kind of having a, a virtual drum corps season, even though it's, you know, definitely not the same. Um, and we're doing a lot of trying to reenact those cultural development things as well. Our guard has really like been kicking butt with this. They've been doing a lot of virtual hangouts. There's a thing called Netflix party where you can get a group of people and watch Netflix together and chat about it and stuff, which I think is super fun. But yeah, those are kind of the main things we're doing as a drum corps, just trying to stay positive through this pretty disappointing um, cancellation of the season. Yeah. It sounds like uh, I've I've talked to a lot of people who are in the drum corps world, and it seems like all the drum corps have their own approach to how they're trying to you know get through all this. But the one thing that seems to unify them all is they're trying to maximize the connection, which I think is the right approach. And you were just talking about it, like the thing that is really cool about drum corps is connection. You know, the, the connection that we have with the people around us. So I love I love to see drum corps doing that, prioritizing not just you know putting out a product, whatever that might be, but trying to, as much as possible, retain those connections that really make drum corps special. So I'm yeah. so happy to see that. Uh, what do you, what type of, uh, like, what, what role do you play in all that? I wonder, like as a drum major. So I try to be in as many of those hangouts as I possibly can. Um, a lot of them overlap, so it's not always possible to be in every single one, especially I'm taking summer classes too, which makes it different, difficult. Um, but communicating, doing a lot of communicating with the staff and the leadership has primarily been my role right now. When we do start um, our kind of summer training program during the summer, there will be, um, kind of assignments and things to work on for conductors as well. There will be a drum major course, essentially. But right now it's just been communicating a lot with David, our core director and different caption heads, making sure that different projects we're doing are um, staying on track as well as making sure our communication is still fully functioning within the leadership. That's awesome. I'm glad you're you know, keeping involved and keeping that connection going. That's awesome. Well, that's about all the time that we have for today. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in and talking. Thanks Claire for joining us here and, and sharing your experiences and talking a little bit about drum corps. It's, yeah, you've been you fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully we can, you know, have another one of these someday and, and hopefully someday we'll be able to meet in person during the <laughs> 2021 season. That. <laughs> That'd be awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody. You have a fantastic evening. We'll see you later. Bye, everybody.